Well, again, it's a true pleasure and joy for me to be standing up before you on this Lord's Day, on this day where we assemble ourselves together for the praising of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, there is much to praise God for. There is much that he has done for us. There is much that he has given us, and there is much that he plans to give us. And it's so easy for us to lose our perspective of this. It's so easy for us to become distracted in worldly matters. See, too many times our perspective is focused on the wrong thing, causing our hearts to be troubled, not joyous, but troubled. See, we focus on the visible temporal world, and we lose sight of our heavenly hope. And it's very difficult. I mean, it's actually very easy, but we live in a very difficult world, this world where it's so filled of sin, this world that's full of hurt, sadness, anger, maybe confusion. Sometimes it's hard to keep joy alive in our hearts with all this going around. But see, our God wants us to have joy. Our Savior wants us to be full of joy. John fifteen eleven reads that these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. See, God wants us to have his joy. And when we have his joy, we're full. But are we full of his joy? Or do we replace his joy with our burdens? See, Satan loves when we get distracted. Satan loves when we forget about the promises of God. Satan loves when we forget that we should be joyous for our Savior and everything that he's done for us. So today and this morning, I would like us to set our focus and our sights on what truly matters. Today, I want us to focus on the joy and the promises of what God has in store for us and the loving gifts that God has given to us. Let us rejoice in our hearts as beloved children over what God has in store for us. If you're sitting here today and you don't believe in God, I pray that this message would stir your heart, that you would find joy in the words that are coming out, not from my mouth, but from the, 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 the lips of the Savior who's just working through me. I'm just the donkey that's sitting here delivering the message. But let us find joy, true joy, in what God has for us. I pray that this message would stir your hearts, that it would convict you as it has convicted my heart as I prepared this over the past month. The title of my message is simply Rejoice Evermore. And we as believers have so much to rejoice after. So much that he has given to us that we need to rejoice. And this morning, like I said, we're going to focus on three points of rejoicing. The first point is going to be rejoicing in our inheritance. The second point is going to be rejoicing in our trials and sufferings. And the third point is going to be rejoicing in our salvation. So if you haven't already, I would just invite you to open up your Bibles uh, to the book of First Peter. We are going to be in First Peter today, this morning, and we're going to be looking at chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So again, I just invite you to open up your Bibles to First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. I'll go ahead and I'll read the passage, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. <clears throat> First Peter 1, chapter 3, or verse 3, it starts, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. 
In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that to test the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to be result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Just ask that we please bow our heads for a quick prayer. Father, Lord Jesus, we come before you on this morning grateful, grateful to be uh, part of the family, grateful to be a child of God, a beloved child of God. Lord, I pray that we would have joy in our hearts, that this message would come out clear, Father, that it would stir the hearts of these listening to the believers and the unbelievers, that they would see the awe that is you, Father, that they would understand the depth and the magnitude of everything that you've done for us and what your promises mean to us. Help us to stay focused on your words, Father. Help us to stay focused on your promises, Lord, and not this world. Lord, be with me as I uh, deliver this message. We praise you always in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, let's do this. Okay, we're going to go into our first chapter, or our first point, which is going to be uh, rejoice in our protected inheritance. Okay, so if we look at the first section, it says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter right now is opening up the verse here with praise, with praise to God. This could also be written to praise God. Praise God. What God? What God? See, a lot of people say, yeah, God, yeah, God, 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 yes. But this is the God, the great I am, the Lord of hosts, the good shepherd, Yahweh, right? This is the God that we're speaking of. And it's saying, blessed be the God and our Father. Peter is opening up with praise to our God. Why? Well, as we continue to read, it says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want to sit here and say that this passage right now has absolutely nothing to do with us. This has absolutely nothing to do with us other than the fact that we're the ones that are lucky enough to receive anything from God. See, this is not like we were put in a marathon and we were the fastest runner and we we ran faster than everybody else and we were awarded that medal. Congratulations, you won the race. You are the winner. No, that's not what this is about. This is not like um, we were the smartest kid in our school and we were just given the academic scholarship and now we get to go to college for free uh, to the college of our dreams because of all our work. No, this is not like that. Last example I can give you is this is not like you slaving over at work, putting in extra hours, filling in for people, doing above, going above and beyond, and then finally earning that, that, that promotion that gets you to that higher status, that higher level in your job, more money, more prestige, more honor. No, this is not like this. This has nothing to do with us. This has absolutely everything to do with God, and that's it. We're the only ones, which is recipients of his mercy. It's his mercy that allows us to be born again. It's his mercy that causes us to be born again. It's his mercy. 
And I don't know if you remember Ephesians chapter 2. We talked about this. We, we studied this. Ephesians chapter 2. It's a wonderful chapter. It's rich. It's pure. And it talks about how God reaches down and picks us up and even in our darkened state when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he elevates us. We were in a state of, of deadness, like a zombie-like state, and he picks us up and elevates us. We were living in darkness. Now he brings us in light. We were blind. Now we see. He does that. That's his mercy. And he causes us to be born again. Now, we're spiritually recreated because of his mercy. We're reconstructed because of his mercy. We're born again. Remember chapter 3 of John, when, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the great Nicodemus, and he says, Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Now, this is the work of God that allows us to be born again. And because we're born again, we can see the kingdom. We're not blind. We're able to see the kingdom here. Now, in Ephesians, Paul says that God's mercy is rich. And here in 1 Peter, Peter is saying God's mercy is great. So basically, we can say that it's God's love for us. It's God's great, rich mercy that picks us up when we're dead. It's that and allows us to be born again. Can you rejoice over that? Can you rejoice over the fact that God's rich, great mercy picks us up? We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. It was God's love and mercy that did this to us. We need to rejoice in the fact that the Lord has compassion for us and that he loves us. We need to rejoice in the fact that the Lord is merciful and that he redeems. We need to rejoice in the fact that the Lord is rich and great in mercy. And we need to rejoice that the fact that he has caused us to be born again. But what are we born again to? Well, if we continue on, it says that we're born to a living hope. A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want you to notice here, it doesn't say that we're born again to hope. It doesn't sit there and say we're born again to a dead hope. It says that we're born again to a living hope. It is a living hope. Why is it living? Because our Savior lives. Our Savior lives. And because our Savior lives, our hope is alive. See, we need to rejoice in this. Because Jesus Christ came back from the dead, it is the means to our living hope. See, if Jesus Christ didn't come back from the dead, then our hope would not be solidified. If Jesus Christ didn't come back from the dead, none of this would matter. Our time right now sitting here and fellowshipping together wouldn't matter. What I'm saying to you and what God's promises are and his words wouldn't matter. This book that I'm holding right now wouldn't matter. This cross wouldn't matter. But he did come back. He did come back. And when he came back and he rose from the dead... So did we. So did we. It's because of his resurrection that we have hope. We have hope. We need to rejoice in this. The author of Hebrews says that hope is an anchor to the soul. An anchor to the soul. That it's sure. That it's steadfast. That you can count on it. That you can trust it. It's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? An anchor to the soul. Our living hope is an anchor to our soul. We can count on our hope. 
We can count that it's going to be there, that it's going to be steadfast. We can trust in it. Paul says in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope. Rejoice, brothers and sisters, in our hope. So what is our hope? What is it? If we look at verse 4 and we go to 6, we're going to see our hope is to an inheritance, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. See, we have an inheritance, and it's waiting for us. It's been given to us because we are part of a family. That's what an inheritance is. It's a gift that's passed down from one generation to the next, from one family member to the next. Now, this inheritance It's not something that you can purchase. You can't go somewhere and purchase this inheritance. This inheritance is is not something that you can earn. There's nothing that you can do to earn this inheritance. It is given to you because you are now part of a family. That moment when Jesus Christ picked us up, redeemed us, and says you're born again. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think about that moment. We get lost and we lose focus on that moment. But that moment has a cataclysmic effect on many things for us that we really truly need to just keep in the forefront of our mind if we want to keep joy in our hearts and not get distracted. And I'll talk about some more of these things. But because he redeems us and says, no longer are you a child of wrath, now you are a beloved child of mine. You're part of the family. You have an inheritance. Now, these three words that describe our inheritance are pretty, pretty awesome. He says that the inheritance is imperishable. It's undefiled and it's unfading. Meaning, imperishable. It will never come to complete ruin. It will not be destroyed. Death can't touch it. Like Jesus. Our inheritance is undefiled. It's untainted. It's pure. Sin won't be able to touch it. Like Jesus. And it's unfading. Never will it fade away from us. Never will it grow dim. Never will it lessen from its heightened heightened point. It will just stay vibrant. It will always just stay like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What do we own here on earth that's imperishable, undefiled, and unfading? Do we own anything? Do we have anything? Can you think of anything? See, steel, metal, they're strong. They're resilient, but not that resilient. They can still rust. They can still corrode. Food, drink, spoils, and even us. As strong as we can make our bodies, as, as, as big as our heads and our egos can get, as tough as we think we are, 10 feet tall and bulletproof sometimes, no. Nah. Even our body withers and passes away. See, if we found something that was imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, where would we keep it? Where would we put it to keep it safe? Where no thief can approach it and get to it. Where no moth will come and destroy it. 
I think of Americans and all the, all the, uh, the things that they do to try to keep their prized possessions safe. They, 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 they put it in safes. They put it in vaults. But even that could be broken into. Even that could be tampered with. But see, our inheritance and our prized possession is in heaven. And it's being guarded by God. Now, isn't that wild? <laughs> it's awesome. You've got to rejoice that our prized possession is being protected and shielded by the creator of earth. I don't think anyone's going to try to mess with that inheritance. I don't think anyone's going to try to steal that. Good luck. No, our Savior is protecting our inheritance, and he's got us locked into it. He is guarding our eternal inheritance. Rejoice over that. Think about that. Now, this is a future inheritance that, that we have coming to us. We don't have this right now. This is not something that we have right now. This, this is something that I am talking about in the future. But we will receive it. As long as we keep in faith with God, we will receive this inheritance. And we can have joy knowing that we will receive and we will be the recipient of this heavenly reward. We will get it. Now, our God is a gracious, loving and giving Father. Not only does he sit there and picks us up and redeems us, rejoice over that. Not only does he sit there and he promises us an inheritance, rejoice over that as well. But he gives us something else. He gives us something. It's a promise. He sits there and says, hey, I am going to give you this as a promise that I'm going to give you this inheritance. So I promise that I'm going to give you this later. But right now, take this as my seal of a promise, as a guarantee. And we get the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. And this happens to us when we're born again. Ephesians 1, 13, 14 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Did you catch it? See, we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we heard and we believed. And so he seals it in us until the day comes where we acquire it. Now, if that doesn't make you want to jump out of your seats... I don't know what will. But we should be thankful. We should be thinking about this. Every single day, we should be thinking and taking a moment to appreciate what God has done. We should be appreciating that moment when he redeems us, that moment when Jesus Christ comes into our heart. So much has happened. We need to rejoice for everything that he's done for us. He's caused us to be born again. He's given us a living hope. He's given us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And he gives us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. So, I talk about this inheritance. I talk about hope. And, and I want to kind of dive in. I kind of want to paint a little picture. Uh, Lord, forgive me because I can't paint this picture as awesome as, as you want it to be. But, but I'm going to try my best to paint the picture of this inheritance. Because again, like I said, this is a spiritual heavenly inheritance. This is not an earthly inheritance. In earthly inheritance, sometimes people inherit money. Sometimes in earthly inheritance, people uh, acquire uh, vehicles or jewelry or, or property. Clothes, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 
But our spiritual heavenly inheritance is heaven. We get to inherit home. Home. Please remember that this is not our home. Please remember that this is not our home. Let's not get too wrapped up in the trappings of this life and lose sight of, uh, of the fact that we're just passing through here. We're aliens here, just sojourning on, just, just carrying about this world until it's time to go home. See, we're citizens of heaven. Our home is heaven. Now, also with acquiring heaven, we will also inherit God. It says in Psalms 11:4 that the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. God's home is in heaven. He is in heaven. We will be in heaven. We will have time with God. We will be able to walk with God. We'll be able to be communing with God. We'll be able to look at God. Can you imagine that? Could you imagine what that would be like? I think about the lyrics, Mercy Me, I can only imagine. I won't sing it. I try, I practice it and say, man, I, I would sing this. Because it, is, it, it just touches my soul. It says, I can only imagine what it'll be like when I walk by your side. Do you ever wish in your days that you could just walk next to him? Do you ever just wish, like, God, just, I just need you now? My life is just hard right now. I, I don't feel like you're listening to me right now. Or I need help right now. Please be by my side right now. Do you ever have that feeling? Because in heaven you'll have that. You will have that. Again, with the lyrics, it says, I can only imagine what my eyes will see when, my fa- when your face is right before me. I can only imagine, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or will my knees, will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in heaven, walking with him, communing with him, smiling and waving at him? (laughs) I say imagine it. I say imagine it every day. I say, think about it every single day. Think about your heavenly inheritance. Think that we'll be able to commune with our Father. Now, not only will we be able to inherit time with our Father, not only will we be able to go back home and inherit our home, but we will be made perfect. Perfect. In heaven, we will experience the perfection of our body and souls. Our bodies will be made whole. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more aches. There will be no more pains. We will live in perfect comfort. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more phantom pain. There will be no more tinnitus. There will be no more arthritis. No more allergies. No more migraines. No more sickness. No more covid No more Lyme's disease. No more disease. No more death. It's all gone. It's all gone. And with this all gone, I can understand why the scripture says that there will be no more weeping or sorrow in heaven. 
Also in heaven, we will experience perfect joy and comfort. Perfect joy and comfort. Now, this world doesn't allow us to experience perfect joy and comfort. We may have moments of joy. We may have moments of comfort. But this world will come in, and there will be hardships and struggles that comes in, and it, it fades our joy. Our comfort might fade and, and dissipate and, and slowly go away. But remember, in heaven, our inheritance is unfading. It will always remain in that heightened state. So if we have joy in heaven, it is not going to lessen. It will stay at its heightened position. We talked about it earlier and it made my heart smile. Proverbs 16:11 reads that you have made you have made known to me the path of life. In the presence in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See with God there is fullness of joy and we will have pleasures forevermore. Forevermore. Now I talked about some of the uh, physical changes that, that might happen, that will happen to us in heaven. But let's talk about some of the spiritual changes that are going to happen. This is, this is going to be really big. See, in heaven, God is holy and pure, and, and, and he's, he's holy and pure here. But in heaven, there will be no more sin. God, God can't handle sin. He won't have sin in heaven. Sin will be gone. No longer will sin be a problem for us. No longer will sin be in our flesh and in our minds to corrupt us. No longer will we have sin trying to to mess with us, to stumble us. We won't have that anymore. Could you imagine what life would be like without sin? Could you imagine that? It's kind of like thinking, well, what, what would life be like without gravity acting on us? I'm just so used to gravity working on me. What would happen if it just went away right now? What would I feel like? Well, what would it feel like if sin just was gone from you right now? What would that be like? If we didn't have sin anymore, we would have no more evil thoughts. We would have no more temptations. We would have no more anger, no more murders, no more depression, no more anxiety, no more selfishness, no more greed, no more politics, no more hatred, no more wars. No more lying, no more stealing. No more trials, no more suffering. No more doubts, no more divisions. No more school shootings. No more abortions. How about this one? No more repentance. Do you ever think about that? When you're in heaven, you won't have to repent. No more evangelizing. Think about that one. No more evangelizing. No more Satan. See, nothing unclean will ever enter into heaven, nor anyone that does anything detestable or false, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We will inherit perfect and absolute joy, free from the corruption of sin. We will be restored to our fullest. Again, no more pain and no more suffering. We will be able to commune with saints of old with those of those that we love, fellow believers, we'll be reconnected with them. Maybe some of us have been waiting for that moment. Can you rejoice over that? Can you rejoice over that? See, can you see how if we take time to meditate and think about these promises, to think about the Holy Spirit as, as a seal of a, a, a guarantee for our inheritance and everything that's going to come with our inheritance, can you see that if we just spend two or three minutes every single day, that our burdens just 
really don't compare. They really don't compare to what is in store for us. Chew on his promised words. Chew on what Jesus did. When Jesus had his arms spread out, think about that. Think about him on the cross. Think about the nails being driven into the Savior's hands. Think about the obedience and love that he had to allow himself to be put on that cross for us. And when he took that last breath and he said, it is finished, what did that mean for us? Think about that and rejoice over it. Now, lastly, we will receive our full eternal salvation. We will be free from death and from sin. Now, the wages of sin is what? Death. And those that continue in this sin will have a different inheritance, a totally different inheritance, an inheritance that is not full of absolute joy or comfort or peace, but instead they will inherit an eternity of fire with gnashing of teeth and weeping all the time. They'll beg for a drop of water, but they won't receive it. These are the, this is the inheritance that are going to come to those that, that stay disobedient and, and won't believe and won't accept. But this is not the inheritance that is going to be for the ones who choose the eternal world over the visible world. This is not the believer's inheritance. We who believe will instead inherit the perfection of our eternal souls and body. We will have everlasting life in an everlasting kingdom ruled by our King, Jesus Christ. And we need to remember this, have joy in this, and rejoice in this. Now, we're going to move to our second point. Okay, Our second point is rejoice in our trials and our sufferings. And we're going to start at verse 6. I'm going to read the passage again. It reads, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter now is switching. He, he, he's switching his direction here. He was talking about the future. We were talking about this that's going to happen to us in the future. But now Peter is switching and saying, we're going to talk about the present right now. We're going to take a moment and we're going to step away from this. And in this you shall rejoice. Right? That's why he says in the beginning of verse 6, in this you shall rejoice. Everything that we just talked about, our inheritance and our living hope and, and our being born again and God's great rich mercy, rejoice in it. But now we're going to talk about suffering in the present time and oh, by the way, rejoice in it as well. See, now this, this point is not going to be as easy for me to, to help you guys feel enthusiastic about. This, this point is not going to be easy for me to jump around and, and, and be cheery about because this involves us struggling. This involves us going through heartache and hardships. But as believers of the word, we need to train ourselves how to deal and how to handle these situations when they come and hit us. And they are going to hit us. We will be hit by the fiery trials. Believe me, it will come. That's why Peter sits there and says, don't, don't be shocked when you get hit with these trials. Don't be surprised because it's coming. See, Peter says to rejoice. 
James, in James 1, 2, says, To count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Count it all joy. And again, Peter says, Rejoice. Rejoice. We are to have joy in our hearts when we struggle. Now, I want you to look at, at, at this because this is interesting. If you look at the verse 6, you see the word trials. Right before verse 7, you see trials. Now, trials is plural. It's got an S at the end. It doesn't mean it's just one trial. We are not going to suffer through one hardship. We are going to suffer through much hardship, many hardships. And then if you look at the word right before it, you see the word various, meaning different, much, or a variety. So basically, Peter is saying here, hey, you're going to suffer a variety of many problems. And you know what? It's necessary. It's necessary. And you need to rejoice. (laughs) So I have a little visual. Hopefully this is fun. I went to the store the other day and I bought some crayons. (laughs) I bought 64. I didn't buy the eight-pack. I bought 64. Why? Because there's a variety of colors in here. Hmm. Maybe some of you know where I'm going with this. Now, we're going to take a, take a break, and we're not going to look at these crayons as agents of colorful bliss, okay? No, these are now dilemmas. We are now going to transfer these crayons into dilemmas. And oh, there's a variety of dilemmas in here. So let's do this. Let's take green, for example. Here's green. This is a dilemma. This is a hardship that we're going to endure, that we're going to suffer. Since it's green, we're going to say this is financial problems. This is going to represent financial problems. This is going to represent us. Yeah, we're a bucket. (laughs) Oh, well, we're a bucket. Financial problems. We suffer through it. Oh, but we're going to suffer for a variety of many different financial problems. You just lost your job. You don't have money to pay for your real estate taxes. Two kids need braces. Oh, and you lost your job. (laughs) Oh, here's another variety shade of green. Um, This could be, um, you got to pay for um, doctor's bills. Uh, Maybe you've got to pay for sporting stuff for your kids. I don't know, but your money's tight. You're suffering through it. Okay, let's switch colors. I mean, let's switch problems. Let's go to red. Let's say red is health. Okay, this is our health. This represents our health. All right, so I'm going to throw that into us. And let's go to a a, a variety of shades here because we got a variety of shades of of dilemmas. Um, We have high blood pressure. Um, We have chronic pain. We suffer chronic pain. We suffer through cancer. Um, I don't know. But you guys get the picture? I can take any one of these and put this in us, and this represents all our dilemmas and all our problems that come at us. And we are to count it all joy. We are to rejoice in this. But see, so many times... We as people and we as believers, even though we truly love Jesus Christ, we have our head in this. Oh, my Lord, look at everything that's going on. I've got this. I've got this. I have to deal with this. And oh, my gosh, I I can't. Your head is down here too long. Stop focusing on this. 
focus on this. Look up. Don't look at this. Yes, this is here. Yes, you may have to suffer through this, but it's only for a little while. It's only for a little while, and it may be necessary. That's what Peter is saying here, that we may have to suffer, but we need to rejoice. Now, sometimes that's not easy to, 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 to rejoice through problems. Yes, I just lost my job. Yes, I am rejoicing. No, that is not a natural instinct for people who are going through hardships. That is not a natural instinct. Okay, and if you've got to hold multiple, uh, I've got financial problems, I've got health problems, I've got family problems, I've got problems, man, I've got problems. How am I supposed to rejoice in this? Sometimes when people have all these problems and dilemmas working on them, they may feel angry. Sometimes maybe when people hold these dilemmas, they may feel overwhelmed. Maybe they feel sorry for themselves. But remember, we are not to feel like any of that. We are to rejoice. We're to look upon our Savior for strength and for guidance. We're to look up, not down. Don't look down. Look up. Now, I know that a lot of us sitting here are going through trials. Like I said, they're going to come and they're going to hit. And for some of us, they'll hit so hard that they'll put us into the furnace. Sometimes trials come and they just burn us hard. And the struggle is much. Some of us, like Andy, who had to battle with all the dilemmas of cancer and, and making it through Someone like, like my wife, Heather, who, who deals with chronic pain and CRPS and blisters from the inside out and spasms. People, people like Toby who deals with Lyme disease and, and has to deal with the issues dealing with that. They get put in the furnace. We all hurt. We all hurt physically or mentally. But remember that story. There's four in a fire. There's not three. When we're burning, our Savior will not leave us. When we're burning, our Savior will be there with us. We need to remember this, and we need to look up and focus and meditate on his words because he will sustain us. Remember, it's not what we suffer, but it's how we suffer that will give praise to Jesus Christ. Now, it's a little gloomy, so I'm going I'm to change it. Let's talk about something kind of interesting, something I have a lot of experience in. Is that I coach gymnastics, and I work uh, 25 hours a week with these kids. I, I'm in the gym with them, 24, 25 hours a week. And we're in the process right now where we're learning. We're, we're trying to develop harder skills. These athletes want to get to the next level, right? Well, if they're going to get to the next level, everything's got to get to the next level. Their conditioning's got to get to the next level. Their flexibility's got to get to the next level. The amount of bravery needs to go up to the next level. The amount of faith and confidence needs to go up to the next level because we're asking them to do hard stuff. I'm going to ask them to fly from bar to bar, flip, flip, twist, land on your feet, and make it look easy, right? It's not easy. Now, sometimes for these athletes, that, that process of learning stretches them. It stretches them to the point where now they feel like they're the ones in the furnace. They're the ones who are stressed and panicky. And I sit there <laughs> and I say, good. Good. As a coach, I look and I say, good. 
because I need them to go through this process. I need them to be able to handle the hardships and the struggle of learning, to be able to learn how to handle yourself when you're stretched, right? Because you have two options. You can be stretched and, and fold and give up, or you can keep fighting. Now I say good, because they need to learn this. Just like, like James says, hey, count it all joy when struggles come because there's things for you to learn. All right? That athlete that can handle and sustain through the pressures of learning, that athlete that can handle that pressure, that athlete is going to be the one that is going to be more successful because that athlete can handle the pressure. That athlete can, can take the learning and, and have faith and have belief and go through the process and can overcome. She can carry a greater load. Brothers and sisters, when our faith is high, we too can carry a greater load. We too can endure. We too can can sustain when we feel like the burdens of life are stretching us to the max. See, that athlete that can handle um, the, the harsher trials will be rewarded. Maybe some of her rewards are that she can do harder tricks than some of the other kids who, who are not brave enough to go ahead and try. Maybe she can compete at a higher level, go to higher competitions than the other kids that don't want to go. But ultimately, she becomes a mentally stronger and a, a more physically uh, strong athlete. And that's what we want as a coach. We want that. But see, we're, we're, we're not athletes here. We're, we're trying to train ourselves into something different. We're trying to train our faith to be as strong as those athletes' ability to, co- to compete at a high level. We need our faith to be strong enough. And in order to make it strong, that we can carry a heavy load, we got to start with the little things. The little things. As a coach, I don't sit there and ask my athletes to go ahead and tackle big things. It would be false of me. It would be unwise of me to, as a coach to sit there and say, go take this on, you can do it. No. I'm setting them up for failure. And it's the same for us. We can't expect our faith to just sit there and take on the big things if we can't handle the little things. Our faith has to be grounded and rooted, and we've got to be strong enough to be able to handle the little things. And the more that we do it, the more confident reassurance that we get. Just like that athlete, that every time she goes through a process, and every time she goes through, and she learns, okay, I'm alive, I can do this. Hey, I was successful. Hey, I did it. Hey, I finally caught the skill. I finally was successful. We too will have that feeling. We too as Christians will have faith in our faith that we can handle the little things and when the big things come, it's no sweat. Not why me, poor me, try me. Because my Savior's got me. That's what we need to think about. We need to continue through the struggles because the struggles strengthen us. They allow us to have a higher threshold, just like that athlete has a higher threshold uh, of pressure that she can handle because she goes through it. Now, faith plays a big, rewo- uh, a big role in this. Faith is super huge when we handle trials. Listen to this. Jesus Christ says, For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to the life, and those that find it are few. I'm going to just repeat that. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those that find it are few. Look, when we go through struggles, it's our faith that's going to keep us in that narrow gate. 
It's our faith that's going to keep us away from that big, wide, open, spacious path that leads to destruction. It's our faith that's going to be able to handle us and sustain us. Not alcohol, not drugs, not sex, and not money. They will not sustain us. That is the way to destruction. That is the open path. And so many people do it. So many people in their struggles forget about the promises of God. Forget about their faith. And instead, they, they go to the, the easy route. Why? Because it's accessible. It's so easy. It's so easy to go buy alcohol. It's so easy to drown our sorrows. It's so easy to numb our pain. It's so easy to pop, 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 take, take, take. What's not easy is to endure and to have faith. What's not easy is when we're suffering to get on our knees and look up and ask for help. It's not easy. But that's what we need to do if we're going to stay in the narrow gate. That's what we need to do if we're going to give honor and praise and glory to our Savior. And that's what it says here, that that we're going to give him praise and glory and honor. But I feel that also it's kind of reciprocal. I feel that us too will get praise and honor and glory from our Savior as a way to sit there and say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were obedient to me. You sustained the hardships. Good job. Well done. And through our suffering, when we're obedient and we're trusting in him, we give him honor and glory. Remember what I said, it's not what we suffer, but it's how we suffer that brings him honor and glory. And faith will keep us in that narrow gate, away from destruction. Sisters and brothers, let's rejoice over this. Let's rejoice over the fact that our faith will help us to sustain through hardships. Let's rejoice that we have a loving God that cares about us. Let's rejoice in the fact that it is so easy. I mean, it maybe isn't easy, but it is easy. We just got to go from this to this. That's it. This to this. Sometimes it's not easy to change this, though. But we need to work on it. Now, I talk about faith, and faith is going to bring us to our last point here, our last point that is going to lead to our salvation. Our third point here is rejoice in our salvation. And this comes from verses 8 to 9. So let's look into these verses and let's see what Peter and the Lord has to say about the outcome of our faith. Verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, this is a beautiful passage, and it shows the love and the faith and and just the caring relationship that we have with our Savior, Jesus Christ. This was the passage that that first got me. I'm not going to lie. I first saw this, and I was like, wow, this is beautiful. I love this, and I'm going to write about this. But then the more I studied, I was like, well, no, no, no. There's so much more to this. There's so much more to this. And, and it just impacted my heart and convicted me. But I love this passage. It reaffirms that we should be rejoicing in our Savior. And not just rejoicing with joy. It says to rejoice with joy that's inexpressible. Inexpressible. When was the last time you had joy that you were like, inexpressible. When? Maybe when you saw your child be born, maybe? 
I don't know. When you got married? I, I don't know. But here it is, saying that we are to rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Now, it says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Look, sometimes it's hard to love people we do see, right? It's hard sometimes. They're right there, physically there. It's hard to love them. But the scripture here is saying, though you haven't seen him, you love him. Now, this type of loving just doesn't fit with the grain of society that we live in. People just don't go around loving people that they've never seen. That's just not how society works right now. But it says here, we don't see him, but we love him. It's because of our faith and our trust in him. It says that though you do not now see him, you believe in him. Though you do not now see him. That now, I love how Peter puts that in there because it's like, okay, not now. Meaning like, okay, Peter, does that mean we are going to see him later? Yes, when we get our inheritance and we're with God in heaven. Yes, we spoke about that. Yes. So even though you do not now see him, you believe in him. So we've got love and we've got belief. Okay, we believe in him. We believe in his ministry. We believe in his promises. We believe in his words. We believe in his teaching. We believe because we have faith and we trust. So we have love and we have trust. Love and trust. Two major ingredients for a successful, loving relationship. Love and trust. And Peter is sitting there saying, hey, you have not seen him, but you have love and you have trust for him. You have a loving relationship and you take away love, that relationship is going to suffer. Okay, let's put the love back in. Now we got a loving relationship, let's take away the trust. That relationship will now suffer. It's not the same. If you have a spouse here, I want you to take a look at your spouse. Do you have love and trust for your spouse? See, that's the kind of love and trust that we're supposed to have in our Savior. But we don't see our Savior the way we see our spouse. We can have physical confirmation or affirmation. Okay, I see you. I smell you. I can touch you. I can see what clothes you're wearing. Uh, your hair looks nice or, or your nails look great. We, we can see it. But here in the scriptures, it's saying, hey, even though you don't see him, you love him. And you don't see him now, but you believe in him. We need to have that love and belief. The same love and belief that we have for our spouse, we need to have more for our Savior. Do we have that? Do we love and believe in Jesus Christ more than we love and we believe our spouse? I love and believe my wife. I love her to death. And I know that my wife loves and believes me. Well, I hope so. (laughs) But the love for our Savior supersedes our love for each other. And that's what needs to happen with us as well. Do we love and believe in Christ? Even though we don't have physical confirmation, do we love and believe in him? Remember what Jesus told Thomas? In John 20, 28, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen him, yet believe in him. Blessed are those 
who have not seen him yet have believed. Are we believing? Are we believing in him? Or is, is, is our faith trusting in God? Is it? Or is it just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a believer. I believe in God. Yep, I got faith. My faith is good. I stand pretty good with God. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm a pretty good woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you something. Yeah, 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 yeah isn't going to help you when you get into the fire. Yeah, 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 yeah won't sustain you. As a coach, I watch these kids and these athletes. Yeah, 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 I'm fast. Yeah, 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 I'm strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, get up on the beam and do it. Like a possum, stuck, frozen. All right? Remember, we are supposed to be strong soldiers for Jesus Christ. Soldiers. Soldiers. Not possums. Soldiers. There is no yeah, 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 yeah in our hearts. If we say that we believe in Jesus Christ and we have faith in Jesus Christ, then it's yes, yes, and yes. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. See, it's impossible to please God without faith. And it's impossible to sustain through the struggles of this world without faith. Do we really want to please God? Or do we want to please ourselves? What do you want? If we want to please God, then we stay obedient. And we stay away from the wide open spacious gate. As tempting and as hard and as much as as it might be tugging on you and pulling on you. Look, I'm the flesh. I got flesh. I got needs. I got wants. I got temptations. But if I go this way, I'm not pleasing God. I'm pleasing myself. That's not what we're meant to do. It's not what we're called to do. Are our wants more important than the obedience for our Savior? What's more important to us? What is it? Again, do we have faith and love? Or is it just a simple, superficial proclamation? Ask yourself, where do you stand? Where is your faith? We can't please him without faith. We must believe in him, and we must love him. And then he rewards us. He rewards us. So what do we get? What does he reward us with? Well, as we come into our conclusion, we're going to go into verse 9. Verse 9 reads, We obtain the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The obtaining of the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look, obtaining means receiving. The outcome is the result of what we are willing to put in. And faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So because we believe and we have faith in him, we receive the outcome, which is our souls, the eternal salvation of our souls. This is awesome. Get ready here. Listen to this. Jesus says that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. 
John 3.36 says, He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life. John 5.24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. John 6.40, For this is my will of my Father, that anyone who looks at the Son and believes in him has eternal life. John 6, 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. John 11, 20, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live. Last one, eleven twenty six. John, anyone who believes in me shall never die. Look, I can keep going with this because scriptures can keep going with this. The picture is being painted here. Jesus is painting the picture. Hey, you want to have eternal life? Believe. Want to go somewhere else? Any other way will do. You want to have eternal life? You believe in me. Put your trust in me. Have faith in me. Rejoice that all it takes is just belief. It's not works. We don't have to do anything in order to believe in God. We don't have to do anything to earn our inheritance other than to take our head out of this bucket and to look up. That's all we have to do. All we got to do is open our hearts and say, yeah, okay, I'm ready. I'm I'm done straddling this fence of uh, of fighting the the, the thoughts of I'm going to believe. No, I'm not going to believe. Yes, I'm going to believe. No, I'm not going to believe. I'm strong in myself. I can do this myself. I can do it. No, you can do it, but your inheritance will be something different. You can do it, but you won't have strength in your faith. I told you, when God, and you choose God, and he picks you up, when he causes you to be born again, he equips you, and there's a cataclysmic change that happens in you. And your inheritance is different than those that don't believe. So if there's anyone here that's sitting and hasn't really fully accepted or really fully believed in their hearts, that they are in need of a Savior, I would encourage you to please keep listening. Please keep seeking. Keep knocking. Come talk to me. Afterwards, find an elder. Talk to them. It's important for you to understand that the rewards of the eternal heaven far outweighs anything that this earth can possibly offer you. Everything on this earth is going to perish away along with you. If you don't believe, get on the spiritual art. See, when our faith is sustained in him, we can have joy, and we can have peace, and we can endure our walk. Let us rejoice in our future inheritance. Let us have joy and rejoice in that our faith is genuine, and that in the eyes of our Savior, it is more precious than gold when we endure with him and through him. Let us rejoice and have joy in our hearts that the outcome of our faith is going to result in the full eternal salvation of our souls and our bodies. The Lord is good and loving and he rewards those that are patient and have endurance. It's through trials and tribulations that we'll enter the kingdom. So let us meditate on these matters. Let us have our perspective on what really matters. This is only temporary. It's only temporary. 
And if it lasts a lifetime, what's the lifetime compared to eternity? What is it? This is temporary. He is imperishable. He is undefiled. And he is unfading. Rejoice in that great fact. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Look not unto the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want you to remember this as you go about your day today. Focus on the unseen. Don't focus and get lost and trapped in the pleasures of this world. It will just fade away. The joy will fade away. For a moment, maybe you'll have happiness. For a moment, maybe you'll be comforted. But then you'll seek it again because you need that joy and that comfort again. But remember also that with God, there is fullness of joy. You won't need to seek anything. You're full. You're full. So focus on the promises of God and not of this world. This world is temporary, but God is eternal. Rejoice evermore, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Let your heart be delighted in what we have, because what we have is on the other side of the cross is greater than what we have on this side of the cross. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, um, we're humbled, humble servants that, uh, that we have not done anything to merit your love and your mercy and your grace to come pick us up and elevate us and to breathe life into us. We are able to become part of a family, a brotherhood. We are heirs. We go from slaves to heirs, Father, because of your mercy and your compassion, not because of our works, not because of our deeds, Father. Help us to remember at that moment when you redeemed us that we have so much that's being offered to us, so much more than the burdens of this life that comes and tries to distract us. Help us to remember that Satan loves that when we don't have joy in you, Father. Help us to remember that Satan just wants to steal our joy. But Father, you want us to be full of your joy, Lord. Help us not to put our burdens above your words and your promises. Help us to remember the promises that you've given to us. Help us to look at you. Help us to look at the cross, Father, and not just see the cross, but to see your body stretched out upon it, Lord, to see your arms stretched out. Father, help us to see the blood dripping from your hands. Help us to see how impactful that moment truly was, and then let our hearts be stirred by what that means for us. We are forgiven. We have an inheritance. We have salvation. All we got to do is just continue to look up and to believe, Father. I pray that you would strengthen us and give us the strength to endure hardships. Help us to rejoice, Father, through the trials and tribulations. Help us to count it all joy because we know that as we go through the trials, Father, that the tested genuineness of our faith will prove the character of our faith and we will bring praise to you. We look forward to your, your return, Father. We rejoice for your return. Thank you for this moment of prayer, Lord. I pray that you would be with our saints that are not here today, that are in heaven, Father. We look forward to returning with them, communing with them and with you, Lord. I pray that you would give mercy to all of us as we carry about our weeks. Thank you, Lord, for this moment of prayer. We praise you always in the name above all names. 
the name that every knee will bow, Jesus Christ. Amen.